If you have a Bible or the app on your phone, join me in the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. Before we look there, you'll see a a scripture, though, on the screen. It's Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, from the Psalm of David, which says, When you, and that's the you is God, when you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I will seek. So God is saying, seek my presence. (laughs) I want you to be with me. I want you to experience who I am. And I love David's response. He says, God, when you say that, my heart says in response, all right, all right, I'm going to seek your presence. That's that's my heart's cry, God, is to, to just be in your presence. The response of God's heart to seek his presence is to do, the, to do that. <laughs> is to pray and to seek who he is. To experience his presence. Exodus chapter 20 verse 18 through 21 says, Now when all the people, the people of God, saw the thunder. Now imagine this scene. Imagine you're there. When all the people saw the thunder. And the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet. So they're seeing thunder. They're seeing flashes of lightning. They're they're hearing this loud sound of a trumpet blaring. And where this is happening is at a mountain. And the mountain is, is smoking. And God's people are at the foot of this mountain. So imagine yourself being there. It says, and the people were afraid and trembled. And I'm going, no kidding. I mean, if I was there and I was experiencing and seeing this, I would be trembling and fearful. And it says, and the people stood far off. And they, they look at their leader, Moses, and they say, hey, Moses, why don't you speak to God for us. We'll, we'll listen. You, you go up the mountain and you speak to God for us. Don't let God speak to us because if we do, we're going to die. As we looked at last week and said last week, God's presence is good yet dangerous because of his holiness, his extreme holiness. His presence is good but dangerous and so Moses says to the people, hey, listen, you're no longer slaves to fear, he says. For God has come to test you that the fear or awe of God, the awe of his presence may be before you so that you won't sin. And then the people stood far off while Moses, what's he do? He goes up the mountain. Right? He, he makes a climb. He's like, all right, God's up the mountain. I'm, I'm going where God is. I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just, that's where I'm going. I'm going where God is. Scary, maybe tense if I fall, right? But 
going up, going up the mountain. God is there. I'm, I'm going where God is. But the people stood far off. Last week, we discovered that God's heart is not just to be with his people. His heart is not just to be with you. His heart is to show you that he's with you. To manifest his presence to you. That's his heart. To show you that he's with you. And over the next couple months, as we jump into this series, we're going to look at the different ways that God reveals his presence to his people and ways that God's people experience his presence. But because of the cross, right, because, because of the cross and the bloodshed on the cross and the empty tomb, everyone through the person of Jesus Christ has the privilege of going up the mountain and experiencing the presence of God personally. And the cross is God's way of saying, I want you to come up the mountain. I want you to experience who I am. And we closed last Sunday with the challenge to look for the presence of God this week, to look for the different ways God shows his presence to you. So I thought it might be good for us to just kind of start out and hear stories, maybe a story or two of how did God show his presence to you this week? Does anyone have a story you want to share? How did God show his presence to you this week? Listen, God's heart is to show off, right? To show, show us that he's with us. His heart is, is to manifest his presence to you, to your house church, to us as a family of houses, that's his heart. And, and, and he says through the way of the cross, he says, my heart is for you to, to come up the mountain, to experience who I am, to experience my presence. And this morning, where I want to go with this this morning is, how do you know when you're experiencing the presence of God? What are some of the indicators that reveal your experiencing the presence of God in your life, with your house church, us as a church, family? What are, what are some of the indicators? How many, how many of you have ever flown before on an airplane? All right, flown on an airplane. What are some of the indicators that reveal you're gaining altitude? Other than the fact that the plane is like this, right? For me, one of the indicators is my ears pop. Right? I mean, I know I'm gaining altitude by the very fact that my ears start popping. And several of us house church, house church pastors had the opportunity to go to a conference in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago. And so we take off from CVG. We, we take off and, and we're gaining altitude. And man, like never before, I mean, it just was almost painful. My ears started popping. And I knew immediately, other than the fact that, you know, there's more distance between us and the ground, that we're gaining altitude, right? I knew that. Well, how do you know? What, what are the indicators that you're experiencing, that you're gaining altitude? How do you know? What, what should you be looking for when it comes to experiencing the presence of God? And there's, there's many indicators, but this morning I just want to share a few. And the first indication, one of the first indications that you're experiencing the presence of God 
is you have a growing awareness of your own sin. You have a growing awareness of your own sin. Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Sin is the primary obstacle to experiencing the presence of God. Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your sin, your iniquities, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin creates this distance between us and the presence of God. Sin is the obstacle to experiencing the presence of God in our lives. That's what the prophet Isaiah is saying, but we also see the example of this in Adam and Eve, do we not? Go to the the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have taken the fruit. They've been disobedient to God's command. And in verse 8, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Here's the presence of God walking in the garden. And it says, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God And they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. The presence of God made Adam and Eve aware of what they had done, of their sin against God. They became aware of their unholiness. When the presence of holy God was walking among them, they became immediately aware that they are not holy, that they have sinned. And so Adam and Eve, in their response to the presence of God in the garden, reveals that when the presence of God is near, there's a growing awareness of our own sin. We also see this in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. We'll go back to that book, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. The prophet Isaiah has this vision of God. He sees the Lord, he's in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine that. And above him stood the seraphim, those are angels. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called to another. So the angels are going back and forth and they're saying these words. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And so Isaiah is experiencing the presence of God. And what's his response? Woe is me, verse 5. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why? Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I've experienced the presence of God, the presence of pure holiness. And my response is, I am not that. 
I cannot remain in this presence. I am so sinful. One of the evidences or indications that you're experiencing the presence of God in your life is a growing awareness of your own sin. We see this from the Apostle Peter, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Luke writes, On one occasion, verse 1, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your, ca- your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and we've caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Look at Peter's response. But when Simon Peter saw it, what's he do? He falls down at the feet of Jesus. He's realizing who this person is. So much so that he needs to kneel in honor and worship. He falls down at Jesus' knees and he says, depart from me. This is Peter saying this, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realizes that he is in the presence of God. And in that moment, he realizes the, uh, the depths of his sin. John Van Gelderen, who is president of Revival Focus Ministries, says this. He says, when you become intensely aware of the presence of God, you also become acutely aware of any sin in your life. It's like your shadow. The, The farther you are away from the light, the smaller the shadow. The closer you get to the light the bigger your shadow. So the closer you become into the, come into the presence of God, the bigger your sin becomes to you. You turn around and you say, wow, depart from me. I'm sinful. I'm sinful. And what we see from, from the example of Adam and Eve, from the prophet Isaiah, from disciple Peter, is a, when they encountered the presence of God, when they experienced the presence of God, as they were gaining altitude up the mountain into the presence of God, as they went up, as they experienced the presence of God, they became much more aware of their own sin. Their own sin. You see, you know when you're starting to experience the presence of God, when your sin becomes more important to you than the sins of those around you. When you're starting to see the bigness of your own sin. So one way you know that your house, church, your living community is experiencing the presence of God is when people start confessing sin, their own sin. One way we know we're experiencing the presence of God as a family of house churches, when we're looking at our own sin and confessing our own sin to the Lord. 
You know you're experiencing and encountering the presence of God when you have a growing awareness of your own sin. What's another indication that you're gaining altitude? Another indication is that joy is being expressed. Joy is being expressed. Well, how do we know this? Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Turn there with me. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. The psalmist writes, and he says, You make known to me the path of life, talking to God. He says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that word fullness has this idea of just, you're full. You're satisfied. There's just, there's a sense of contentment. This sense of, I don't need anything more. I'm in, I'm in the presence of full joy. And he's saying that presence is God's presence. It's God's presence. And we know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the Spirit of God produces this joy. So here you have the very person of God through his spirit, the presence of God produces love, joy. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit produces is this expression of joy in us. So the presence of God is joy. The presence of God through his spirit brings joy. We see an example of this in King David and the nation of Israel. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Last Sunday we talked about how God met his people in the Old Testament, at this place on top of this box called the Ark of the Covenant. And he would meet his people there. It's where his presence was. Well, there was a period of time in the nation of Israel when the Ark of God was no, not with his people. Well, here you have the scene where now the presence of God, symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant, is returning back to God's people. It's coming back to God's people in God's city and here you have David, verse 25 of 1 Chronicles 15. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, representing the presence of God. And they brought it from this place, this house of Obed-Edom, and they did it with rejoicing. There's joy there, expressing joy. Go down to verse 29. And as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David dancing. He's celebrating. Now, one of, the, one of the indications that you're experiencing the presence of, of God is this expression of joy. Because God is here. Because God is in the room. And there's this expression of joy. Go down to verse 7 of chapter 16. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And then David gives this song of thanksgiving, and he says in verse 8, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, and let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And then check out this verse, verse 11, Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Why? Because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. God wants this for you because in his presence is the fullness of joy, is the presence of joy. And then when, you, when you're in his presence, you're going to express that. We have a little, a little dog in our home, a little long-haired dachshund named Tebow. And those of you that have, have dogs, maybe you can relate to this. 
When we've been absent and out of our home for a period of time, and Tebow has been alone by himself, as soon as we enter the door, what do you think Tebow does? He jumps off the couch, leaps off the couch, comes, comes running toward us it's the moment we step in the door, and he's going crazy. Rolls over, you know, it's like rub my belly kind of thing. I mean, if you, you know this, right? If you grew up with a dog or whatever, I mean, they're excited. Why? Because they're home. They're here. Our presence brings Tebow joy. Or maybe when your kids were little, they don't do this so much anymore in, in, in my house, but like when they were little at times, when I would be gone at work, right, and I'd come home, they, they'd come darting out the door. Dad's home. Dad's home. And they'd run up before I could even open the car door to get out. And they're like, oh, Dad, we're glad to see you. There's this, there's this expression of joy. Why? Because the presence of Dad is here. And there should be this expression of joy when we gather as church and when you gather as house church, when you're sitting alone in the presence of God, there should be expression of joy. Why? Because the presence of God is there. So you know you're experiencing the presence of God. You know you're gaining altitude up the mountain when you're experiencing this this overwhelming sense of joy because of the presence of God. But not just joy in times of worship celebration, but joy expressed even in times of the worst circumstances. Go with me to the prophet Habakkuk, one of my favorite little books in the Bible, Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. It's only three chapters long. It's a great little book. If you've ever wondered or felt like God was being unfair, this is a great book book to read. Because Habakkuk's world is crashing down on him. He's trying to make sense of what God is doing, and it just, he can't. He's struggling mightily. His world is falling apart around him, and and his future is not going to look any brighter. But in chapter 3, look at what he does. Look at what he says, verses 17, 18, and 19. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. Basically he's saying, when the time comes, when we're not going to have food to put on the table, when we don't know where food is going to come from to put on the table, and the flocks be cut off from the field and there be no herd in the stalls, what's he say, verse 18, yet I will rejoice In the Lord, I will take joy where? In God, in the presence of God, who is my salvation. Why? Because God, the Lord, the presence of God, the Lord is my strength. And evidence that you're experiencing the presence of God is not just when you're expressing joy in times of worship celebration, but when you experience this presence of joy in the worst of circumstances. Where does that come from? It comes from God. I'll never forget the scene a few weeks ago when we were leaving Virginia after the funeral services for Andrea's mom who had passed away. And we're pulling out of the driveway of her dad's, of their home. And we're backing out and we're pulling away and there is her dad who has just lost his wife of 50 some years. And there he is on the porch. We're like one of the last ones to leave, right? And and, and he is just standing on the porch with his fist in the air, 
smile ago, and he is just singing a hymn. He just he's just singing. I'm going, what in the world? How is that possible? You know how it's possible? Because of the presence of the Lord. Because he's experiencing in the worst of circumstances the presence of God who is his joy. He's gaining altitude. And as he gains altitude and experiencing God himself, he is experiencing this unexplainable joy. Not just in times of worship and celebration, but in times of the worst circumstances. An indication that you're experiencing the presence of God is when you have this joy and an expression of joy in times of worship celebration, but also in times of worst circumstances. And one more indication that you're experiencing the presence of God is that Jesus is being professed. Jesus is being professed. If we go back to the scene of Isaiah Experiencing the presence of God, Isaiah chapter 6. We'll go back there and look at what Isaiah's response is to having experienced the presence of God. Verses 6 through 8. He says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord saying, he's he's hearing, he's seen the Lord. He's hearing the Lord. He's experiencing the presence of God in his life in that moment. He hears God say, who's going to go? Who's going to share the message? My message with the people. What's Isaiah's response? He says, then he said, Isaiah says, I'll go. He says, here I am. Send me. I've seen the Lord. I've experienced the presence of God. I will go. I will go profess the message, God. I'll do it. We see this also in those first disciples, Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, Acts chapter 2. It says, and they, those early disciples who were all together in that one place, about 120 or so of them, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're experiencing the presence of God in their lives, in that moment. And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as you continue to read through that passage, what are they uttering? They're uttering the gospel. They're telling people how great God is and who he is and what he's done. In verse 11, it says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Why? Because they've encountered and are experiencing the presence of God. And the response is to tell people about Jesus. You see the example of Peter and John, Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. It says, and when they, these were city government leaders who had basically told these two men to stop talking about Jesus. And these two men had done a miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit. They've made a lame man walk. And in verse 7, it says, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. They asked Peter and John, they said, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then check this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit... 
He's experiencing and has experienced the presence of God in his life. He says to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, here we go, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Check out this next sentence. And they recognized that they'd what? They'd been with Jesus. They'd experienced the presence of God. They had been up the mountain. They had gone up the mountain, and as they were going up the mountain and spending time in the presence of Jesus, and they kept going up and up and up, the result of that was, I gotta tell people how great this God is. I gotta tell people about Jesus and how through him and what he did for them on the cross, they too can come up the mountain and experience the presence of God. And so one of the indicators that you're growing and that you're gaining altitude up the mountain experiencing the presence of God is you have this this willing boldness to profess Jesus, to tell other people about Jesus. So the question is, do you see these in your life at all? Do I? Because if, as I read the Bible, if, if we're experiencing the presence of God, I should be growing, I'm going to grow in awareness of my own sin. I'm, I'm going to have a, a joy that's kind of unexplainable, whether it be in times of worship or worse circumstances. And as I spend more time in his presence, I'm going to be more in line with who he is and what he desires and what his mission is. And I'm going to start living that out. And God's heart for us is to not just be with us, but to show us that he's with us, for us to come up the mountain. And so as the band comes, I think, what, what's the next step, right? Well, what's, what's the next step for us, for you, as we climb and gain altitude up the mountain? What's the next step? I think it's simple, really. I think the next step is for us to simply pray Psalm 27, 8. Every morning this week, I want to challenge everyone in this room and all of our house churches to pray Psalm 27, 8 this week, where God says, seek my face. And our prayerful response is, oh Lord, I will seek your face. And pray that every morning this week. And as you pray that, as you begin seeking the presence and gaining altitude, look for growing awareness of your own sin. But don't just stay there, confess it, because through Jesus Christ, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you continue to climb up the mountain experiencing the joy of forgiveness. And then you live out that joy by expressing how great Jesus is and you express it to those who need him. 
So the next step is, as we gain altitude, as we go up the mountain together, is simply, can we do that? Just pray Psalm 27, 8 this week and look for the presence of God in your life, in our lives. Because God says to us, come up the mountain. Imagine a neighborhood. Imagine your campus. Imagine your school. Imagine your apartment complex. Imagine your workplace that's overcome with the presence of God. Imagine, what would that look like? What would it look like? It would look like sin being confessed. It would look like joy being expressed. And it would look like Jesus being professed. That's what it would look like. For the glory of the God who came down so that we could go up. So that we could be with him forever. And so the next step is, oh Lord, we will seek your face. And you say, I don't have that. I don't feel that right now. Pray it anyway. Ask him to give you that desire. To give you that desire. When God says, seek my face, will your heart say, your face, oh Lord, I will seek. So I want you to stand with me as we're going to sing. And we're going to be reminded of how incredibly deep the Father's love is for us this morning. And that love is expressed through the cross and his desire to go up the mountain and to experience his presence. And here's the invitation this morning. It's for you to come. To come and maybe you want to kneel at the cross. Maybe you just want to come and you want to sit up here and you just want to pray. And you want to pray Psalm 27, 8. Or maybe you want to come and say, you know what? I'm not a follower of Christ. I don't know Jesus, but I need the presence of Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven of my sins. You come and want somebody pray with you so you can receive Christ this morning. But what's the Spirit of God saying to you this morning? And God's heart, don't forget his heart. His heart is this. I don't want to just be with you. I want to show you that I'm with you. I want to show you that I'm with you. God, you're good. Help us to come this morning. And may our response be the same as David's. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Church, as we sing, you come. And together, let us go up the mountain and seek the presence of our great God. Amen.